You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 187, covering Starship Down and Little Green Men. Hi, friends. Hello, everybody. It's just me and Matt for the first time in a while. Yes, we don't have friends anymore. We sent the guests away. We're lonely men. No, I wouldn't say that. Lonely, lonely men. You're a lonely man. I am a lonely man. I'm a champion. (laughs) I don't know. I'm a Swedish champion. (laughs) This is why I don't like to improvise, because, like, the first word that came to mind is champion, and then I'm like, (laughs) that is exactly what I'm not. Yep. First word I came up with was Swedish, which is also something I'm not. Yeah, but, you know, at least that's funny. That's true. Like, Swedish, I don't know, it's one of those countries that's just funny. Yep. There was a famous chef that came from there. Oh, yeah? What was his name? Um, Margo. (laughs) Margo Polo? (laughs) The chef? (laughs) Hello there, children. I'm discovering America. Bork, 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 children. (laughs) Swedish chef. See, I think we just wrote a sketch. All right. That's for the other show. Uh, this is the Post-Atomic Horror, episode 187, as as Dave just told you. Yep, there's so many of them. Yep, and they just keep on coming. Well, we only just hit the halfway point, Matt, so yep. uh, before we're finished with this, we'll, we'll be well past 300 episodes, I think. Mm-hmm. So that's well, a shocked thing. by how close we are to 200. Yeah, it's pretty Damn, amazing. Hey, we're more than halfway through DS9 also. Yep. Which is less happy. That's not exciting. I mean, it's it's exciting. It's exciting. It's not, uh, We're getting into the great news. stuff, but no. it's also like, oh, right, I know what that means. Guess who's waiting for you, sunshine? <laughs> Let me tell you about my people. And I'm Harry Kim. <laughs> I don't even rate a voice. <laughs> Remind me to have him, that be his voice when we get there. I'm not going to remember that. I never listen to these. I like popular podcasts. <laughs> So, why don't I first tell you about the episode Starship Down? Yes, tell me all about it. I I bought a nice mattress made of Starship Down. Uh, Much to my surprise, this episode did not follow a a warren of wayward space rabbits through tragic but ultimately uplifting series of adventures. So, the Defiant is conducting trade negotiations on the other side of the wormhole, where they have every right to be and everything works out fine. The end. Wait, no. They actually get attacked by the Jem'Hadar for some reason, which reminds me of an old corny joke. A man goes to the doctor and says, Doc, it hurts whenever I do this. And the doctor says, Stop going to the Gamma Quadrant! (laughs) In order to protect perennial guest star James Cromwell and his unseen crew of aliens that almost certainly includes an adorable talking pig of some kind, the Defiant lures the Jem'Hadar into an atmosphere of a gas giant. Have we made a Babe reference with James Cromwell before? I feel like we must have, but the guy shows up like every six weeks, and I don't remember enough about L.A. Confidential to make a reference to that. Anyway, the ship is damaged, and everyone splits off into separated groups, a la Next Gen's disaster. Bashir cuddles platonically with Dax, whom he's crowned executive science officer in charge of radishes. <laughs> Worf hangs out in engineering, removing his own head to get past some deadly plasma. Quark helps James Cromwell deliver a baby down in 10 forward. And on the bridge, Kira is watching the life slowly drain, drain out of her messiah. Oh, uh, something, something, Counselor Troy? That disaster parallel really got away from me there. Anyway, each group eventually puts aside their differences and bonds and learns the value of giving a care. And Kira, determined to spend some quality time with Ben, agrees to go to a baseball game with him because apparently quality time means something very different on Bajor. I imagine that, you know, my quality time with Ben would be just as boring. Because, you know, baseball. Sure. That's it. Baseball. No one wants to watch baseball. There's a reason it went extinct. That's what he does on his his off time. Going to go watch a baseball game. Yeah, and uh, I was going to say Jake's moving away, but no, that's Nog. Jake's still there. So yeah, He'll still be able to go with Jake. Right. In fact, Jake will be all like, you took Kira without me? (laughs) I love baseball, and I love Kira. Yeah, but like a year ago, you tried to hit on Kira, and that's a long time in terms of all the shit we've gone through, but really, that nobody's ever going to forget that. No, no. I think I think enough time has passed. It's time for me to make my second run at this. Oh, well, I mean, because now I'm 18. Yeah. It was creepy before because I was a minor, but now yeah. I'm a man. There's no reason for this not to work. Jake, you, you don't just become a man overnight. Mazel tov. That's not really how it works. I'm a man now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
So yeah, this is one of those episodes where it's like like lots of different pairings of characters and yep. and I, once again we get that great thing this show does which is pair up unlikely pairings of characters mm -hmm. like Worf and Chief O'Brien. Yeah, Worf which you know doesn't seem unlikely and yet I don't but I mean really we commented on this in Way of the Warrior. Yeah. O'Brien's like, "Hey, my best pal from the Enterprise." And Worf's like, "Which one were you?" Oh yeah, you were the um uh shit. You were the you were the holodeck guy. Right. No, no, wait, no, that was creepy Barkley. You're not creepy, but uh, holodecky. I don't know which one. See, the he, thing is, putting aside our joke of him not knowing people's names, I still don't think he knows who O'Brien is. No, he's you the delivered, You delivered my my daughter. Oh uh, well, I know Keiko. And um, wait, you were the father of that baby? Baby. <laughs> yeah, little 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 Molly Wharf. Yes. Molly, son of Moog O'Brien. It's her middle name. Right. I, I assume they must have done some kind that of... That would be awesome. Know, I doubt they did. It just comes up like three years from now. like. Right. And here, of course, is Molly Worf O'Brien. Right. Now, I assume she has some kind of horrible Japanese... Wife. And I don't mean I don't mean Japanese things are horrible. I mean whatever Keiko came up with is horrible. Yes. Like, not some nice traditional Japanese name, but some horrible just thing that it, does, it shouldn't have. Molly Tempura O'Brien. <laughs> Molly Hentai O'Brien. <laughs> Molly Mobile Suit Gundam O'Brien. <laughs> Molly Vending Machine Full of Panties O'Brien. <laughs> I can't top Vending Machine Full of Panties. Uh, neither can Japan. <laughs> They've been trying for 10 years now, and I, th I think they topped out at that. We don't have them anymore. Now they're used panties. Oh. So, this episode. Yeah. Let, let's start with the wharf thing. All right. Just because, I mean, we, we have different pairings of characters. Let's, let's, we got to start somewhere. Let's start with that. So we have wharf moving down to engineering because the bridge is all fucked up. Yep. So we have him sort of getting back into running a team of guys that he's not super familiar with. Now, my first impulse was, oh, God, Worf is wearing a red uniform. He's got to be in charge of people. He's going to be terrible at this. Yep. And then Matt reminded me, wait a minute, our thing about Worf before was he's a great boss. We yeah, saw it over and over and over again. It's literally the only thing he's actually good at in Star Trek. This is true. So I was proving how big wrong. of a threat the bad guy is. And the thing is, I remember, like, the, the big things, the broad strokes about Next Gen, but it's been more than a year since we stopped watching it and... All this stuff has sort of displaced that, and I, yep. I completely forgot that about Worf. Yep, it's true. It, it is, but but this is a new thing. He's got to learn now to deal with engineers who well, are yeah. typically weird. Well, yeah, because he's good at bossing around security guys. He knows how to deal with those. Yeah, you, run with a phaser. You, get behind him and hold a phaser in case he dies. Yeah, that's get in it. Front of, make sure you're in front of the captain if someone tries to shoot the captain. Right. You, throw yourself in front of a black puddle. <laughs> well, what do you... Mr. Worf, we need some help with this. Well, have you tried throwing guys at it? I don't yeah. think that's going to work. The engine's broken. I, I don't know. It worked for the Russians in World War II. Did you shoot it? That's just going to make things worse. You never take my my advice to shoot it. Always my advice. No, but no it's, I, love, I love Chief O'Brien, who, as we have established, as the show has established many times, is uh, not an officer. No. He's an enlisted guy. He's in charge of people, but he's not an officer. And... Every now and then, he's got to tell an officer how to do their job. Yeah. I love that. And because he's so respected, they listen to him. Mm -hmm. It's not like, well, don't tell me my business. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. But Worf's like, shit, yeah, this guy runs a team and he runs it well. Maybe maybe I should listen to him. Come on, Mr. Worf, make them feel valued. But I don't value them. But I know. No, make them feel valued. Listen, Just they're engineers. They know they're not valued. Yeah. Come on. I've, I've read Dilbert. I know how weird these people can be. I have crafted my hair into two horn shapes. <laughs> now, now, get I to work on the TTP project. Uh, I love that joke. That's the best Dilbert. Dilbert should have just quit there. Yep. Please let it have quit there. Yeah, and, uh, <clears throat> and Scott Adams should have just, like, cut off his own head with a batleth at that point. Yes, and used it to save the ship. Yeah, good idea. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, worth, worth having to learn... Like, all over again, how to boss people around was cool. Still not entirely clear what his job on the Defiant is. It seems like he's just the guy in charge of the Defiant. Well, it seems like he's the first officer, because Cisco's yeah. there and he's clearly in charge. It's like it's like he took Kira's job, because Kira was Kira's first officer on DS9. 
Yeah, and she's first officer of the Defiant. She has defined. She has like addressed herself that like introduced herself to new people that way. Yeah. Hi, I'm Kira Norris, first officer of the Starship Defiant. So I don't know. Maybe Worf took over her job, so she doesn't have to do it anymore. It is a Federation ship. Yeah, I'm not super clear on that. It doesn't matter that much. I just what all I want to know is for me to be able to judge if he's doing his job well. I should know what his job is. Yeah, that's all. That's that's. I don't care about the nitpicky stuff, but yeah. I do want to know. What he's supposed to be doing. It, just, it sometimes feels like the guys on Star Trek are like, this guy's just in charge. Right. And it feels like Riker stuff. It feels yes. like the captain is ultimately in charge. He gets veto power, but he lets this guy run the day-to-day -day stuff. Yeah. And it also feels like, okay, Worf's just put on a red uniform. He's on the command track. Cisco wants to let him drive. Yeah. Like, he's going to be there just in case something Unless goes horribly gets, wrong. But he's going to... bonked on the head. Right. But he's gonna he's gonna let him like okay you you got this you can do you know yeah. let's let's see what you got. I so, feel like we're doing a lot still of Worf training. What do you, you mean? Know? He's get well he's getting into like a new career on a new space station. Everyone, especially Cisco, feels like they're like okay let's um let's show him how we do things here. I, but I like that, and I also specifically like usually when we meet a commander, he's a seasoned guy who's been at this for a while. Yeah. We haven't seen a guy learn, get on the command track and learn how to be a captain. And I like that. That's an mm -hmm. interesting story that that we've never seen. Like, I'd be really interested to see Picard learning how to become a leader. Yeah. I mean, ostensibly, the the Abrams version of Kirk is supposed to be like that. But Kirk, the way Kirk is, he just kind of falls into it and is awesome automatically. Yep. He doesn't have to make mistakes and learn. He just is. See, to see the Picard thing, we'd have to watch 12 seasons of uh, the Stargazer show. Right. No, I just I'd like to see like I, and I don't even know like read a novel or something. Yeah. I'm a sort good of captain, but not a great captain. But bridges. I'll be a great captain. Well, no, no. Before he's a captain, oh, doing yeah, yeah. doing this stuff worth doing. Learning how to lead, learning how to 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 curb your impulse to tell them shut up, you're doing it wrong. You're not very good at this. Right, and that's that's what Worf's doing, and I like that. And this was all basically your good thing, right? Yes, it was basically my good thing. I like seeing Worf learning to be good boss guy again. Yeah. Because as like, you say, the that's the one thing he's good at. inside of you all along, buddy. Yeah. You knew what you were doing. Yeah, you got this. You can, yeah. you can do this. You've done this before. No, and that and that was nice. And yeah. his first reaction to getting down in engineering is like, everything's weird down here. Make it like it is on the bridge. Wow, you guys are just doing everything wrong. I don't even know how you keep this thing running. Yeah. And by the end, he's like, uh, yeah, you 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 do that thing. That's good. You, you, you do yours. I got this. And uh, and O'Brien's like, yeah, but do it faster. You you can't you can't uh, look. Just... Don't coddle them. Right. But again, it's nice because O'Brien officially has no place telling Worf how to do his job. Yeah. But it's so nice to see him defer to the senior guy and say, well, you you obviously know what you're doing. I'll, yeah. I'll just sit back and watch you. So look, I don't know how engines work. Yeah. I just, look, the, if you can fix them, do that. I've tried hitting it. I've tried yelling at it. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like uh, Homer Simpson at uh, Hank Scorpio's company. Can, could you be working harder? Yes. <laughs> well, work right. harder. Good. Productivity went up 3% today, Marge. <laughs> I caught a, what was it? I caught a, damn it. I caught a, well, it, a, a slacker or a... I caught a slacker at work today, Marge. Right. <laughs> the guy that Scorpio dragged off to have killed. Yep. <laughs> Let's just watch that. I mean, I All like right. this episode. Yeah, yeah. But I like you only move twice on The Simpsons a bit more. Scorpio! <laughs> By the way, Homer, what's your least favorite country? Italy or France? France. <laughs> Nobody ever says Italy. Uh, what was your bad thing? Um, so we go to the Quark subplot, which... Mm -hmm. Developed into something I really enjoyed, but I thought it started off way too slow. Really? Like, it's just a lot of Quark trying to... Well, basically, Quark's on the ship to... They're trying to open trade relations with... the. Well, they've opened them. Areas. They're trying to maintain, yeah. like, okay, we've been at this for a couple of years. Let's renegotiate. Let's, like, is everything moving smoothly? Yeah. Let You know. And they've realized that Quark's been ripping them off. Yep. As is his want. That, yep. And so we spend the first two acts... With the like, you know, while all the ac actions happening, we spend the we keep cutting back to Quark and this James Cromwellian <laughs> talking about uh, you know trade negotiation and stuff, and it's just it's really dull for me. It eventually picks up, but every time at the beginning of the episode, every time we cut to those guys, I'm just like I don't care. I liked this actually. This was ended up being my good thing. Mm -hmm. 
we've talked about this before, and maybe it didn't do it to your satisfaction, but you have said before you like seeing Quark the negotiator. You like seeing Quark doing his thing and not just being second banana to somebody else. I do, and that like when we get to that part later in the episode, I really enjoyed it. See, it's a slow burn. He's trying, like he's going through, and I'm sure this actually lines up with some real, like it feels a little Sun Tzu art of war. There's probably mm. some actual legitimate like negotiating tactics in here. I, I haven't read books like that, but it feels like he's trying each thing. First, he's trying... No, I wasn't cheating. You're crazy. It's all the Federation's fault. Then he's like, yeah, all the Federation's fault. Uh, common enemy. Let's try to screw them together. Yeah. And then he, then he tries, no, you're too smart for that. You're right. Now I'm going to be straight with you. Like he goes through each thing. Yeah. And I, I really like that. I like seeing Quark trying all the angles until something works. Mm. There's a great, there's a great, because we find out that the James Cromwell aliens don't believe in unfair negotiation. Well, the thing is they say that. Yeah. And then later... <laughs> A torpedo smashes into the wall, a Jem'Hadar torpedo, and he's like, uh, hmm, interesting this didn't blow up. We sold this to the Jem'Hadar. <laughs> and it turns out, yeah, I feel like this is their version of passive resistance, where they can't fight the Dominion. But right, but they, maybe can, they, they can sell them crap. Yeah, they sell them a used uh, a bomb casing full of used pinball machine parts. Yeah, exactly. Because he, he doesn't seem surprised by it. And Quark's like, wait a minute, I thought you didn't sell faulty merchandise. <laughs> well, maybe I can offer them a refund. <laughs> and that's kind of when they have their, like, bonding moment. Yes. But no, I liked, like I said, we've both said we like seeing Quark mm-hmm. be, truly be Quark. And yeah. I enjoyed that. You you apparently didn't think they were doing it the way you wanted. So. Apparently not. They re- it really picks up by the end, though. Like That's fair. The, the, it's great seeing the two of them by the end trying to fix this giant lamp bomb. and Right. No, I just like the... Uh, Quark teaching him about gambling. I just like the two guys in a room, Quark trying to win the guy over. Like, the, the 12 angry men start, you know, start as enemies and as, you know, winning someone over to your side. Like, right. that whole thing. Mm-hmm. I like that. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. No, I get where you're coming from. But, yeah, that, that whole plot. And two fantastic actors. I mean, there's a reason they keep getting James Cromwell. It's because he's great. Yes. Yes, he is. And uh, and it's nice. At the end, they give uh, James Cromwell a scene with, uh, with Odo. Mm-hmm. Um, because those two have worked together a lot, apparently. Oh, really? Uh, that's that's what Memory Alpha said. And oh. I believe it. I mean, if you think about it, those two, like, if if Rene Abagenois hadn't done a definitive Star Trek role, mm. you probably would always, like, mix these guys up in your head. They're very similar guys. Yeah. They have a very similar sort of bearing and voice. And Like, I could see James Cromwell playing Odo. Oh, absolutely. And I could see Rene Abagenois instead being the guy that, that plays all these different guys. Like, they, they're very similar to me. Yes, if uh, James Cromwell hadn't gone on to fame as the general from The General's Daughter. Is is that what he was in? That is one of the three James Cromwell references I can think of. I know Babe, I know L.A. Babe, Confidential. L.A. Confidential. And Star General's Trek. General's Daughter and Star Trek. So what's the, what's the General's Daughter? That was that John Travolta flick. I know literally nothing about it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I know, um, well, I mean, Pulp Fiction. And, um, Who was he in Pulp Fiction? No, 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 no. I'm saying John Travolta. Oh, okay. Like, John Travolta, I know him from Pulp Fiction, and um, that's it. I mean, I can definitely name more ja- or, uh, oh, yeah, name yeah, yeah. More, uh, John Travolta movies than James Cromwell movies. Yeah, but he he's in. He tends to be in movies that I completely, like, you know. I tried to watch Battlefield Earth with riff tracks, yeah. and I couldn't even finish it then. Yeah, that's that's the sign of a bad movie. Yeah, it's so, so terrible. That's some Monster of Go-Go shit right there. <laughs> um... But anyway, I enjoyed that subplot. What other subplots? We oh, we had the uh, Dax and uh, Bashir. Dax thing. and Bashir in the closet. Yeah, which <clears throat> it felt like you know on a lesser show, th- them being trapped in the elevator would have led to reminiscing about previous things, and then we would have had a flashback show. Uh, it's not the worst spot we've ever been in, Jadzia. No, that's true. Remember that time? <laughs> and then they moved to the to the collection of like love clips yep you're not dating anyone right now but you've dated some interesting people in the past yep yeah and then they and then they try scaling a building <laughs> but why are the, we walking like this uh, always quoting that show that had like three episodes yep i have a great love for the clerks animated series I'm you won't sure. take it away from me i mean it's fine but they made six episodes 15 years ago six wonderful episodes 15 wonderful years ago I don't know that they were all wonderful years. Uh, probably not. No. Some of them were. Yeah. No, um, but the, the, the uh, Jadzia uh, Bashir stuff, 
This is an interesting relationship where this has ended up. I don't think I've seen this on TV before. No. It's really tricky because it's... There's still romantic tension there. They're still clearly flirting. Yes. But they've reached a place where they know they're never going to date. And they're fine just being flirty. See, I think that this is like... This is as close as they're going to get to dating. You know? Like, I, th- I feel like... And let's, I mean, let, let's just, here. let's just go ahead and spoil that. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it, it, that, that affects nothing. These two aren't going to date. Jedzia Dax and Julian Bashir will never date. No. And it's fine. But that's what I'm saying. I've had relationships like this with, with women in my life. And I know like other guys have <clears> as well. It's, and it's not just the man woman thing. I'm sure, you know, like if, if you're gay, you might have a same sex friend who is like the, like, you know. Sure. What, wh- whoever you're into, there's a friend you have that you might have hooked up with at one point and you didn't, but you're still sort of intimate in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying, oh, men and women are like, the, I'm just saying in general, this is a vibe yeah. that people have. And, and I don't think I've ever seen TV do it because TV always has to take it that extra step. Well, obviously, if they're flirty, that means they, they must hook, hook up. up. Right. That's just what they, that's just what TV people do. And it's nice that the show recognizes, no, there's different levels of intimacy. There's different kinds of relationships like that. Yeah. Some people are just cuddle friends. And that's all they do. They're not going to fuck. They're just going to cuddle. Yep. And, and I just, I like that. Yeah. I, I, I think that's cool. It's an interesting dynamic. Yeah. And it's hard to get across to a TV audience, I think, because t- you're not used to seeing that on a TV yet? show. Well, obviously, they're going to date next week, right? Yep. Wait, no? Huh. What? Uh, that that said, my bad thing. Yes. Uh, Julian admits that he had a creepy fantasy that he and Dax would be trapped on a mission together, and that would be when he would make his move when she was like at a disadvantage. Yep. Like, come on, man. That's gross. Don't tell people that. No. No, don't think that. Don't just that too. But you know, don't just don't tell people that. That's but gross. In, don't be gross. But in general, she does. She does know that he prefers the dumb version of her. Oh, yeah. Like, that came up back in season one. Right. But in, in general, I like that this was our opportunity to sort of take stock. Where are these guys now? He's yeah. done He's done actively pursuing her. They do. They are clearly quite fond of each other. Yes. Now they're just sort of friends that flirt. Yeah. But they're close friends. Yeah. Like, there's definitely a bond there. Mm. They're, they're just not dating. They're not sleeping together. And that's good. But it, again, it's, it's a nice... I haven't given up yet, though. <laughs> well... I mean, Still he has, but he has. It. <laughs> so, and then, and then we go to our other pairing, which is uh, Cisco and Kira. Yes, we finally get into, um, like, we sort of danced around this topic over the last four years, but we finally sort of get into the idea that Kira's not super comfortable working around. I don't Cis- think it's that she's uncomfortable. I think that she just will not let, like, she doesn't want to separate the things. Yeah, she doesn't want to put the fact that he's the emissary in a different box than he's also my boss. She just actually, I, I would say if anything, she's way comfortable just saying, yeah, you're the emissary. That's mm. cool. And he's the one that's uncomfortable with like, no, that's the, please. Let's just like, I'm just your commanding officer. Okay. Just let's not please, make this weird. Don't yeah. think of, don't think of me as the religious icon of your people. Just think of me as Ben. No, he's still her boss. Who can tell you what to do? I'm the yeah. Ben that can tell you what to do. But only like you can go over my head. Yeah. Like you can. But you don't. Can, you can go to a Starfleet admiral if you don't like what you hear from me. But uh, as the emissary, you can't really go tattle to the prophets. That's, I mean, you can. I doubt it'll work. Yeah. There, that's not gonna. There's no chain of command here, is what no. I'm saying. But yeah, it is interesting. And actually, uh, uh, Ben injuring himself. And Kira having to, like, keep him away. You know, it's that standard TV thing. And I know that's a real thing. When you have mm-hmm. a concussion, you can't pass out. You have to keep them awake. Like, that's yes. a, that's, it is a TV cliche, but it's also, I believe, a real it's a medical real thing. thing. So, too. yeah. I think it is. Am I, yeah. someone's no, going gonna... to. If you, if you have a concussion, you can't slip into a coma. It's really bad. I mean, I, I don't. Like, I assume that's true, but I also can already hear somebody typing me a well actually email. So, no. I'm covering my bases. I think that's true. Well, feel free to send that email to. Our recycling bin at gmail.com. <laughs> at angelfire.org. <laughs> That's how that works, right? If you have a if you have that email address, it just shoots uh, emails directly into your recycling bin. Yeah, I think so. All right. Yeah. Good. good um work. but and and so she's gotta keep him awake, and so she's telling him stories and so forth, and uh, actually Ter- this is where my quote fits in. Jokes. 
This is uh, this is what she says when she starts trying to, to get his attention. I'm just going to keep talking, all right? But you have to listen. It's very important that you listen to me. Be- because there's going to be a test later. And I like that she's been around Starfleet long enough that she knows, well, if I say test. Yeah, that's important. You guys pay attention to that shit. Yeah, everybody, everything in Starfleet's a test. So, you know, you better, you better listen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But no, she's... She tells this story about these three brothers who discover a giant radish, take it to market, argue over who should get the money, decide to give up the money and go back to the farm. That's such a Bajoran story. Yep. What do you people strive for exactly? Well, pretty much stay exactly where we are. I mean, the thing is, they've been under the oppressive heel of, of an, invasion, an invading force for so long yeah. that the story ending with, and then we went home and everything was normal, and nobody tried to kill us. Yeah. That's that's the happy ending Yep. in a Bajoran story. We went back to peaceful farming. The, the end. The Bajoran, the Bajoran version of Joseph Campbell starts with the boy seizing his destiny on the farm and ends a step later with the boy throwing away his destiny and returning to the farm. Or his destiny being, being on the farm. Yes. That's it. Like, Bajoran Star Wars is uh, Luke repairing the condensers by midday. Yep. The end. Good work, Luke. Realizing that that going to the Tashi station to pick up power converters is a waste of time. Yep. And that he should actually be helping his uncle. Got some real good moisture crop in this year. Yeah. Well, that's important in the desert, I mm-hmm. assume. Yeah. But yeah, the, the, I love that. Like, that felt very Bajoran to me. Sort of boring and bland and also under underneath sort of secretly sad. It's like... <laughs> like you know what we don't really need excitement anymore we've been at war for 50 years yeah let's let's instead try nice happen for once the the goal is for each day to be basically like the next day yep that's what we want that most of all that's what we want that is why bajoran fiction uh not very popular nope not really Kira lent me this uh this new bajoran novel the story of the guy who didn't go anywhere Story of how everything went right. 800 pages. <laughs> I had to read each page on a different pad. By Dan, by, by Brown Dan. <laughs> That's terrible. Wish I hadn't flubbed it. Oh, it doesn't matter. It wasn't a very good joke anyway. Um, what else? Oh, but yeah, the, the just her keeping him awake and me realizing... You know, if Kira comes back and Ben's dead, then she'll get the reputation of being the one, like, wait a minute, we sent Kai Opaka on a mission with you, and she didn't come back. What now we you... sent the Emissary on a mission with you, and he didn't come back. What are you doing out there exactly, Kira? Also, here, go on a mission with Kai Wynn. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to traveling with you, child. So uh-huh. do I. Wait a minute, why are you guys trying on Kai hats? Nothing? Never mind, have a good trip. Shut up. It's fine. Those are my Kai hats. But yeah, poor Kira. Yeah, murderer of her people's religion. Yep, taking them down one one religious figure at a time. <laughs> she um, she she like I I I think Nana Visitor plays the sort of conflicted like, like yeah, you're my boss, but you are my prophet. But yeah. you're you know like she plays that really well, mm-hmm. and I like like she's so. She's so sad, like, on an extra level from you can't die yet, you're my captain, to you yeah. can't die yet, you're the emissary. You, and have, the... you haven't done all that stuff you need to do. Yeah, all the prophecies say you have lots more to do, you can't die yet. Yeah. And I like that. I like that she sees it that way, and it's it's interesting to me. And I like that as a person who isn't religious, I am really siding with this religious character. Like, they've oh, done yeah. such a good job of... Of painting her as sort of a three-dimensional figure that I'm, my my usual knee-jerk like Matt's is, oh, religion, great. Well, I mean, the thing is, I'm perfectly willing to have there be religion if you can prove it. See, and I'm perfectly God willing... Right over there. I'm perfectly willing for there to be religion if it's pretend. Like, it, if it's in fiction, it doesn't affect me, that's mm. fine. I can accept that as part of the trappings. Like, even if you never met the prophets, I'd still be okay with this, these people being religious. Not me. Ah, no. That really, okay ta- that really takes Kira Chunk down in my estimation. Huh. All the way down from 100% to 98. How many chunks are there? Uh, a bundle. Okay, because you said it takes her a chunk down. A chunk down. I don't think chunk is the word you actually meant to use. 
Sloth love chunk. <laughs> Baby Ruth? <laughs> Excuse me, I'm going to go fake vomit in a movie theater. <laughs> uh, What else? What else indeed? All right, let's see here. I like the probe. Like, I like they, they modify a probe to basically mm-hmm. be like a, a, a Jem'Hadar seeking missile. Yep. And that was a really cool effect. It blows up really, like, because they're in a gas giant, I guess, like, the explosion is usually bigger than it would be in space, which mm-hmm. is very cool. Well, this is a, uh, they haven't had this on DS9 before. This is a submarine episode. Uh, we have. Oh. But not quite like this. Mm. The first time they went, like, I think it was the search, where they went to the, uh, to the, to the founder's homeworld. And, uh, they, they cloaked. Oh, and there was yeah, this yeah, 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 yeah. creepy silent running vibe to it. But this is more, uh, this is more Rathacon-like, like, Well, yeah, uh, the submarine chasing combat. submarine. Yeah. As opposed to hiding submarine. Yeah. But, I mean, there's, there's definitely a vibe of submarine in cloaking and staying hidden and hoping your enemy, enemy can't find you. Mm-hmm. Or your enemy, as my mouth wanted to say. <laughs> your emanary. Who, I believe, was actually one of Dax's hosts. Emony. Yep, Emony. That's what the, I meant to say. The gymnast. Yep. Or possibly um, the mom. Sure. The gymnast mom. Yeah. You know, that old traditional uh, character. There's an image. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, the the effects were cool. Apparently, they, they originally wrote this thinking it was a bottle episode, and the producers just laughed at them because of all the effects they ended up having to do. They do look great, though. There's they do. fucking kick-ass uh, starship combat in this episode. There absolutely is. And ship fights often bore me, but this show does them very well. Love me some ship fights. Yep. I just, the design on all Star Trek ships, really, like, that always captures my imagination. Uh, it depends to me. Like, sometimes I like them, sometimes I think they're a little samey. But in this case, I did. I just, I love the look of, like, Federation ships. Yeah. No, it makes sense that ships from a certain culture, you know, look the same, but... Klingon vessels. Yeah. But there was a run in Next Gen for a while there where it felt like every alien had the same kind of ship. Yeah, that's bullshit. I don't care. Same with the aliens, and the alien design on this show is way better, too. Yes. Cardassian reverse ships. Yep. Ugh. They're backwards. Damn it. The pointy like, end goes in the front. They look like stingrays. Oh, that bugs me. Anyway, uh, that's pretty much all I had. What about you? I think so. Let me just have a quick look here. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else I really wanted to touch on. I, I do like James Cromwell's uh, arc of, uh, no, we, we just trade things of equal value that are, you know, that are worth the same and that's it. And Quark's like, so you barter? That's just barter. Like barter is a filthy word to Ferengi. Like there's no markup. There's no cheating. There's no like, you know, extra points for people who, you know, like grease your palm. Like, no, it's just barter. But I also like him gradually talking James Cromwell into like appreciating gambling. Yep. It's like, it's like gambling. Ugh, gambling doesn't make sense. You're taking a chance and you could lose. Yeah, but you could win. Oh. What about, what about that? Oh, gambling sounds great. Yeah, think about it. You it's just have more money. It's sort of like when Smug Future Man, and we'll certainly get to more of that here in a second, oh, Lord. Uh, talks, you know, some other alien culture into appreciating a thing about about humanity. Mm-hmm. Except in this case, it's, it's greed and, and gambling. Yes. Which I like. Let me show you a movie called Wall Street. <laughs> but not Wall Street 2, Money Never Sleeps. Please don't show me Wall Street 2, Money Never Sleeps. Nope. Never. Should have just let Gordon Gecko die. Yes. All like right. He deserves. Yep. All right. We ready to move forward? Yeah, let's, uh, let's house about I tell you about little green men. Do that. All right. Do that do. So Nog's finally becoming a man, although you'd never know it from his elf-like stature. And Rom is preparing to take him to Earth for some good old-fashioned accepted into Starfleet. Just then, Quark is gifted with a thoroughly nice spaceship from his cousin Gala. You know, the moon-owning guy. So Quark offers to take Nog out to Earth out of the goodness of his smuggling a shit-ton of unobtainium to Orion on the way back. They arrive at Earth and then go back in time for some reason. Their ship runs straight into the Planet Express ship and about 14 other TV shows crashing into Roswell. Why don't fictional spaceships ever visit the Tunguska event? So then there's a series of hilarious misadventures as the Ferengi interact with primitive Earth humans who won't stop smoking. Also a woman who is clearly a Star Trek fan as she keeps quoting the show. After a brief sidebar for Quark to attempt to take over the universe, seriously, 
Deus Ex Odo arrives to save the day, and they ignite the Unobtainium and go home. Meanwhile, Fry has sex with his own grandmother, and I desperately try to remember a good X-Files reference. Yeah, you were definitely the X-Files expert uh, of the two of us. This is true. What was their Roswell episode? Did you ever... Uh... I, if I remember correctly, it was in uh, the second episode when they have the triangle ship that escapes. Ah, I see. I think. It's been a while since I watched the X-Files. Fair enough. There seems to be a, re a renewed interest in that right yes. now. Like it's the, the internet it's seems. the 20th anniversary. Ah, that would be why. it. Um, I, I was never hugely into that show. I did appreciate some of it, but um, it was huge when this episode aired, and that's kind of why I wasn't a fan, because it's like, oh, you're doing a Roswell episode, just like everyone else. Mm -hmm. Everyone really wanted a piece of that X-Files pie. Well, it, was, it just... was doing amazingly. Yeah. But I almost said a piece of that X-Files train. <laughs> Not real clear why that would be, but all right. I'm just glad I didn't take a train to the face during our recent <laughs> comedy show. <laughs> anyway. I'm not real sure how that would look, but I'd be excited to be a part of it. <laughs> I would like not. Ride a train out wearing an engineer's hat. Yeah, that striped hat. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, Al. Hmm? <laughs> Damn you, Doppler effect. I love the Doppler effect. So long, loser. Um, yeah, nice. but I, w I wasn't crazy about this just because it was it felt like a real gimmick episode, like right at around the time, and I figured it would age a little better. And honestly, for me, it has. I we talked about this, and like you were not particularly excited to watch this episode, whereas I, I was. I remember really liking it. Well, okay, but you would have been ten or twelve at this point. Yeah, but I didn't watch it when it came out. You'll remember. I watched oh, it when that's I was true. In, uh, just out of high school. Okay, that's fair. I don't know. It just felt like a like a like a lazy phoning it in, and really, this is my bad thing, plot wise. Yeah, it felt really phoned in. Like I knew where all the plot beats were way before they happened, mm -hmm. and not in a fun way. In like they were trying to do an homage to fifties uh, flying saucer paranoid, you know, uh, atomic power is bad movies. Yeah, and I appreciate that, but it just it felt like, uh, and now here's where uh, they have a sudden change of heart and free them, and now Quark makes a quip, and now they just barely escape, and not like everything was yeah. exactly the way, you know, you knew it was going to be. It, it feels like it was like they put those beats in because the important thing in this episode is the humor, but right. the humor doesn't really land, you know, well, like the humor appears to be smoke, <laughs> smoke. Smoking. Can you guys believe that these guys smoke uh, cigarettes? There's so much like... And they make atomic bombs? Smug future, man. What a primitive culture. Smoking. I can't believe this. Uh, so much smoking. Oh, come on, Quark. Like, you, like you've never like you've never sold drugs on Ferengadar. I, see, I don't know. I don't know if they did, but... You know they've got to have them. Uh, I don't know. Like, I seriously, I don't know. They haven't really, like, this is just one of those things they've never really addressed. Like, are the Ferengi that greedy? Probably, but yeah. we don't know. At least I, some of them clearly are. He does, they do seem to be going that way conversationally when they say, uh, oh, really? It's it's poison for them, huh? So how do they get the stuff? Uh, from stores. And I think like he's surprised about that. Like, I think he knows black market drugs. Oh, okay, yeah. I that, think that, that he, I. I think where his surprise comes in is you could just buy this legally at a store. Right, like, at any what? drug store. Right. Just like plutonium. Yeah. Um, Which is also shocking that they have. Right. Now, it, that's the two things that it just gets on a soapbox and doesn't shut up about is smoking yeah. is bad and atomic power is bad. Yeah. Yeah, we know. We know both of these we things. We get it. Yeah. <clears throat> We've been aware that smoking is bad for a long time now to the point where I'm shocked people still do it. Um, the thing is, they in Memory Alpha, in their defense, they said, yeah, we hit that way too hard. They did. They really did. But they are aware of that. Mm -hmm. Like, the, the whole original thing was they had a very specific genre of movie in mind. And it was usually a B-movie. It was usually sort of a Roger Corman-y kind of like, we found some aliens yeah. and here is a warning that atomic power is bad. Mm. Like, you know the kind of movie I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, totally. There's a million of them. And... They even named the characters as homages to old B-movies, like the chick is named after Beverly Garland, who was in a bunch of Roger Corman movies. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And Mr. C3K's own Beverly Garland? Yes. Wow. Yeah. She was in uh, It Conquered the World, which yep. was uh, the first MST I ever saw. Really? So that's cool. 
Well, I saw. One. I don't remember which. Like, I had a tape with that and Gamera versus Zegra. I don't remember which one I actually watched first, right. but it was it was one of the ones I watched first. But yeah, you learned almost too late that man is a feeling creature. That one. Ah, uh, yes. Um, but the anyway, they were they watched those old movies for for um for inspiration, and one thing they noticed is everyone smoked all the time, and they're like, well, we got to work this in. Yep. And then just following on that, they started writing all this preachy stuff, and they're like, shit. <laughs> we, we took that a little too far. Whoops. Smoke while you are doing it. <laughs> but apparently, like, there's there's always been, or at least since the 90s, been this rule that you're not supposed to so, show smoking on TV positively. Yeah. So part of it might have been that they had to sh- t- talk about it being bad. Yeah, but or, constantly? Yeah, I know. No, but I, I didn't love that. There were some really obvious easy jokes, but then there were some like I legitimately funny jokes. I thought. I mean, there's some great delivery from a lot of the cast. Like, yeah, you know, you I mean, see how good Armin Shimmerman is as an actor. Yeah, no, and and he's clearly having a lot of fun. Yes, and uh, even like just and he he mentions this having being able to captain his own ship even for five minutes mm-hmm. is like look I'm on Star Trek like not everyone gets to be the captain and I only got to be the captain for a couple of minutes and this is a big deal for me this was yep. great I loved it. Like that's that's a good point. That's good for you. Cool, yeah. yeah. Good on you, Armin. Yep. Armin. Armin. Can I borrow your copy of Swank? <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean I like there were there were some other funny things I thought. I liked the the general like they didn't do the usual fish out of water thing cuz they never left the base and I kind of no. like that. They didn't just milk that again. But they did do some fun like uh, Nog is set up as the expert on earth stuff but he actually doesn't know very much and he thinks they're in australia yeah, I like and that. Just... We're, we're more than we'll, we'll work with the russians if we have to but we'd much rather work with you australians right well he's like it's it's one of their powerful nation states uh australia i think <laughs> yes the most powerful nation state <laughs> lex luthor ruler of australia <laughs> that's for you irish gav um it. But overall, it, it just felt sort of cheap and, and obvious. And also, this is this is my sub bad thing. My my bad thing B. Mm-hmm. Um, is it even possible to go to Earth of the present, or do you just automatically get sent back in time? Because this is the second time we've gone to Earth, and the second time we've been sent back in time. That is true. It just seems like a weird it's like thing. DS Nine is not allowed to go to present day Earth. Apparently, I thought you were going to say go to prison. No, DS Nine is allowed to go to prison. Ah. Court goes to prison at the end of this episode. This is true. But he'll be back. And in greater numbers? That's right. All right. That's yeah, true. but overall, I just, I didn't, you know. Yeah, no, I get it. I, I wasn't wrong. crazy about it. So uh, what, what about you? What did you think? Uh, I really liked the opening of this episode a lot. Okay. Um, there's a couple of really great scenes with uh, Nog's farewell party where he's selling off all of this stuff. Right. We get, uh, and there's some great stuff with him and Jake, you know, sort of saying goodbye and, and hanging out on the catwalk. Right. Um, on nice. the catwalk, yeah, on the catwalk. Yeah, he does his little turn on the catwalk. Right. So that that was your good thing, though, right? The, Pretty uh, much, yeah. The just the the Jake and Nog. Yeah, Jake and Nog. I was, re- you know, I was really, I had high hopes for this episode, and they were dashed on the rocks. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I knew exactly what to expect. What I what to expect was a broad comedy time travel episode. Yes, which I was hoping to enjoy, but I really kind of didn't. I didn't have the usual problems I have with the Ferengi episodes, I will say that. Well, that's a plus, then. However, uh, I, I am sick of the the, the word moogie. Yeah. Is it, oh, I want my moogie. Shut up. Yeah, j- Just shut up. Dude, you're like 30-something. Okay. Yeah, you have a child of your own. Dude, don't don't yell. Off. Don't yell for your moogie. We were talking about. I'd really like to see a series of uh, animated shorts, uh, starring starring Rom trying to do uh, stuff around the station and the tradition of old goofy cartoons. <laughs> Sport Rom. Yeah, exactly. And now we see the Ferengi the Ferengi male attempting to put together his VCR. And then <laughs> he falls out of a window. <laughs> yep. That would be Careful. delightful. That's right. Hold that one down there. Boom! Oh, you did it wrong. <laughs> and uh, and the spinoff Rom Troop. Yes. Right. I'd watch that too, actually. I but overall, like usually, Quark and Rom being comedic, like the uh, they they did some fun stuff. I will give them credit. There yeah. were some genuinely funny moments between the two of them. Mm. And Nog was really good in this too. 
What's that? Nog was really good in this, too. He was. I, I usually don't have a problem with Nog. No. Typically, I like him with Jake better, but, uh, you know, he's, he did okay. I like his, uh, when they finally sort of, ter- when he finally realizes that uh, they're not going to uh, get through to the general by telling him the truth. They're like, yeah, we got a invading force of uh, Ferengi marauders just outside of the galaxy. And Klingon shock troops. Yeah, that's the ticket. I'm Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan. <laughs> gonna melt my brain <laughs> you're turning into george mcfly muffin hello nog this is aaron fawcett <laughs> i'm on a different show god damn it swear <laughs> aaron this is a ferengi the thing is there are definitely parallels to back to the future and the, the first draft of back to the future uh, famously had marty having to get to the uh, site of, of an atomic bomb explosion yes. to use the power to go back mm-hmm. and then of course uh, futurama also used that some years later like this is a pretty common thing oh yeah so there's that also odo showing up just felt kind of like uh, like i like odo it's cool that he's there but on the other hand it was like and i'm here too yeah well, the fact that he just sort of shows up in like the, uh, in like the fourth act or whatever, yeah, and also that it was the dog. <laughs> now I like it again. <laughs> you convinced me. I was the dog. <laughs> so was he hiding as a dog on their ship the whole time? I guess. Or I don't remember bringing this dog, brother. Oh well. I guess I could bribe you or have you bribe me to forget about it. <laughs> That's how that works, right? Give me some latinum, dog. I, uh, so my, my good thing, mm. um, we, we get a bit, uh, a, a section where the, the Ferengi and the humans can't understand each other. I like that. I like hearing what it sounds like without the universal translator. That's yeah, cool. that was pretty cool. Like what the Ferengi language sounds like and what humans sound like to Ferengi when they're not being translated. Mm-hmm. They did a weird effect where they sort of, like, it's almost like they reversed the, the English. They reversed whilst... it and chopped it up a bit. Like it's yeah. not directly reversed. But like, yeah, you could still make out what they were saying, but it was weird and chopped up. Well, you could make out what they were saying from the tone, mostly. Yeah. Which I liked. I, I enjoyed that. Mm. That's, you know, that's a thing. Yeah. I was really bugging me that the that the, the woman character, like the nurse, who ends up being the one who, who saves them and the one is like, you can't torture them. Like, of course, the girls do uh-huh. and all that. Um, but uh, I like, who is she? Who is she? She was uh, uh, Gary Shandling's wife on uh, Larry Sanders. Mm-hmm. She's been in a million other things, but that's that's what I knew her from. See, to me, like, she looked course. like TV Gina Davis. Yeah, TV's version of Gina Davis. Yes. Yeah. Um, what else? I wanted to talk about, um, I talked about briefly uh, liking the stuff with Nog and Jake. Mm-hmm. I really would have liked uh, if Jake had come along on this episode. Yeah. I know it's a little it would, the the episode itself would be a little harder to pull off with. Uh, well, yeah, if there's with, a human with, with them. a human on there, although a black human, so that uh, there's something in there in 1940. Whatever. I I don't think they like. I think that would take away from the comedy. We'll we'll cover an episode like that later, mm-hmm. where with with racial attitudes in the past. I think that would very much overshadow the comedy. Yeah. I just you know, these are two characters that have been together since the first episode. Well, I think what you're saying is you think. Nog's last hurrah on DS9 should be with Jake. It really should be. You know? Not even necessarily this episode, but something where he's got an adventure with Jake. Yeah. I appreciate that. On the other hand, that's usually where we see Nog. I thought it was nice to take him and do something else with him mm-hmm. before we send him away. You are not wrong, but, yeah. you know, yeah, those two play off of, off of each other well. I like them being friends. They do. And also, I, don't think, this... I don't think this episode where we were basically we're sending Nog off to Starfleet Academy... So I assume we're not going to see him for a while. Right. You know, it would have been nice to have one last Jake and Nog adventure. That's true. This has <laughs> been a pretty Jake-heavy season so that far. That is though. true. For a, sh- for a show that does not feature Sirik Lofton. Well, he wasn't in the previous episode. Nope. I saw that in Memory Alpha, and it was almost like a it's almost like a callback at this point. Sirik Lofton does not appear in this episode. Yay! Wait, <laughs> no, not yay. I like him. Why did I just cheer at that? <laughs> Basically, what I'm saying is, you know, no J Industries is falling apart, and I'd like to... Uh, you know, salute that. Well, Vandalay Industries is going to sweep in, in the void, mm. and take over. And keep your eye on AJ Pennypack, AG Pennypacker, because <laughs> uh, don't count him out yet. Pennypacker. Pennypacker. Or uh, Kel Varnson. <laughs> Going with the Seinfeld deep cuts. Yep. Um. Oh, yeah, they. Not enough people like Seinfeld. 
I think plenty of people like Seinfeld, but I don't you know, know that that's true. Well, I guess that's you're right. I don't know. Anyway, uh, at the beginning, we get a, a reference that you liked. I did not. A little wink, wink about the Bell riots. Oh yeah, there's um, we've got Jake going through the uh, the Guide to Earth. His Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy to Earth. Yeah, it's it's just a pad that says mostly harmless. Exactly. It's got it's got go away crossed out and mostly harmless written. Yes. <laughs> I love that go away pad. Yeah, me too. Knowing um, that it's still floating around the set and that they repurpose it is just delightful. Yep. But um, he he sort of pops up at one point and uh, shows the pad to uh, Rom and just goes, "I'm just reading up on these Bell riots. Doesn't this guy look a lot like Commander Cisco?" That was, I just thought that was a little too, hey, remember the last time travel episode we did? Uh, uh, uh. See, I think that's really funny. I think the, I think, uh, showing the picture tips it off a little too much. I just thought, uh, yeah. They they show the, uh, the Gabriel Bell shot from the episode. Right. It's like, yeah, that's a bit too far, you know? Make that, make that, make that joke a little more subtle. I thought, good, we're finally, we finally got it behind us. We're not talking about past tense anymore. Oh, God damn it, show. <laughs> hey, uh, Dad, doesn't this guy look a lot like an, an idiot with a stupid hat? <laughs> he sure does. <laughs> I sure what? wouldn't like to be in, an epi- in two episodes with that guy. <laughs> What's his name? Something stupid like Biddle? That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, says here, hat guy. <laughs> looks like he went off to Tasmania. What a terrible place. <laughs> this looks like a really boring episode. And then Quark pipes up with, that. No, sounds like a good episode to me. <laughs> I yeah, guess he's... I was wrong again, brother. Ooh. Yeah, Rom, you idiot. <laughs> Everyone knows that's the best episode. Uh, there's a there's a little run where uh, Rom suggests they might be in the afterlife, like maybe we're dead, you know, because you always have to have that. Yep. And Quark rattles off this great, what I think is a great comedic run of funny Ferengi afterlife things, but it's one of those great comedy, not really believable as a belief system. No. Or he's like, well, where's the blessed exchequer? Where's the celestial auctioneers? Although I do like the idea of uh, we find out Ferengi believe that they bid uh, for a new life once they die. Yeah. No, Which... I, I, in general, it's not a bad idea. It mm. just, it, like, those were hilarious comedy names, but I don't believe that they actually believe that. No. That's just a little too silly. Uh, what else? What else indeed? Uh, humans are very primitive. Oh, are humans very primitive? Did they talk about that a lot in this yes, episode? like constantly. Did that ever come up? Yeah. I feel like this is going to be another one where people are going to tell us we're wrong that this is a great episode. Eh. And, you know, whatever. The thing is, it's, a f- it's fine. I, did, I really thought I hated it. Because at the time, I just kind of rolled my eyes and was like, uh, another Roswell thing. And in, you know, in the meantime, it's like, okay, well, as Ferengi episodes go, this is probably the funniest one. Mm. I checked around. This is actually this is one of the episodes that's voted uh, pretty high on lists of best DS9 episodes. Yeah, like one one of the major publications has like an essential, like ten essential DS9 episodes, yeah. and it's on there. I definitely I wouldn't say that. this is an essential episode. No, in fact, one of the writers said the two funniest comedy episodes we did were this one and Trials and Tribulations. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Know. I went into this one. Maybe it's just I just came in with higher uh, expectations than this and episode deserves. And I came in with lower expectations, and yeah. I think we met somewhere in the middle. Like, yeah, it's exactly. fine. It's average. It's, yeah, it's, it's slightly it's above average, I would say. Yeah. But it's not bad. I would say, you know, just average. Eh, I'd give it like a six. Yeah, I'd give it about a six. So, yeah. Oh, and then, of course, there's the uh, the nurse character, the chick, constantly going on about, like, maybe one day we'll form oh. some kind of alliance of planets, some kind of federation. A federation of aligned planets. That would no. be awesome. And then we'll go on a trek through the stars. Yeah. And then eventually that trek through the stars will have been around for too long and we'll head into a next generation of star <laughs> trekking. Also, no. there'll be some movies. Some of them will be about generations being different, and others will be about first contacts. <laughs> Can I lay this shit on any thicker for you? I think the only way that could have been better slash worse is if you just said, Majel, calm down. <laughs> oh, well, maybe maybe my fiancé, Jean, will like these ideas. Let's uh... go. I think like that would that would be okay. Then then you just basically said Major Barrett created all this. Oh well, that would have been fine. That's what I'm saying. There's a one guy working there. What do you think, Corporal Roddenberry? Oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Can I can I get out of uniform? I'm very uncomfortable when I'm not in a sweater vest. 
I'd just really like to sell a TV pilot. <laughs> don't really care if it, uh, you know. I'm not yeah. really, I don't really have a vision or anything. I'm just trying to sell some uh, TV pilots. That's all right, honey. I have a vision. <laughs> now, I'm going to be the number one character. <laughs> yes, hell of a vision. <laughs> But yeah, like because they didn't just take it full on. Like I don't actually, I don't think I would have liked that. But you know, like if they'd just gone completely over the top with it, that would have been something. But it, it was just, ugh. yeah, didn't care for it. Knock it, just knock it off. Yep. We get it. Yep. All right. Anything else? Um. Yeah. Oh, I like uh, I like uh, Quartz improvising about uh, about what he knows about Earth. Yep. Yes, we've been watching your people for years. Well, this is your quote. Oh, yeah, so it is. Well, let's, uh, let's play that quote. My people have been watching your world for years. We know all about you. Baseball, root beer, darts, atom bombs. It's quite a fascinating culture you humans have here. That I uh, skillfully selected. Yes. You're like, I don't know, there's a lot of good lines. Well, why don't you use that one? Yeah, good enough. Fine. Nice job. <laughs> We're still recovering. We had a long weekend a week ago. Oh, man. Did we ever. <laughs> I decided I need to either stop doing that or do a lot more of it. Mm -hmm. So so there's that. What's it to be, old man? Uh, Well, move your ass down here and it'll be the ladder. <sighs> All right. Hang on. Awesome. It is a lot easier to record this when you're just here in my basement. That is true. I'll just On the other hand, it. your basement is very hot, so. Uh, No, it, it only is in that two weeks of summer. All right. It's actually quite nice right now. Oh. Anyway, uh, that is all I have to say about this episode. What yep. about you? Yeah. Let us then uh, conclude uh, the show for anyone who doesn't want spoilers, and then we will talk about spoilery things. Mm -hmm. Good day to you folks. Good day. Uh, I actually don't have a lot to say in the spoiler Not section. really, no. I did, like, I did deliberately say... Jadzia Dax will never date Julian Bashir. I worded it that way earlier in the show for yep. a reason. Yep. We don't want to get letters. <laughs> because Ezri Dax will, of course. Yeah. And, um, like, I think this is, like, I think this is about as close as Julian and Jadzia were ever going to get to Yeah, and I don't up. think that really spoils anything for the other people no. to say they don't hook up. Because, um... No, the Wharf thing starts... They start hinting at it later this season, and it really picks up next season. Yeah. So yeah, there's. But I mean, we basically that. at some point they they basically go around and saying if Warp hadn't shown up, Jedzia would have eventually hooked up with Julian. I don't like that. I like what I was saying, that they're just close and they never hooked up. Mm. That happens sometimes. Like I said, I have I have female friends like that. Yep. Just you know, they could come to my house, we could cuddle and watch TV, but I've never even kissed this girl. Is nope. we're just really close friends. That's all. That is a, that is a thing sometimes that happens in real life. Yeah. Um, sorry, Worf. Something better. Or sorry, uh, Julian. Something better came along. It yep. was me. <laughs> really better? Yes. What are you better at exactly? You want to fill me in on that? Sex. <laughs> oh well. Fair probably. enough. I can't win there. I'm not very good at sex. Which is weird because I've got the hands of a surgeon. <laughs> um. Oh, uh, the other thing good is good at Umox. If anyone's interested, <laughs> I am. Also, um, looking at this title, I seriously confused this with like three different episodes, and one of them involved Cadet Nog, so I knew obviously that wasn't this one. Right. But yeah, there's there's several episodes, and I'm not saying it's a cliche, because they do it differently every time, mm. but there's several episodes where the Defiant is disabled in one way or another, and everyone has to work together to get it back. This again. ship that I love like a woman <laughs> is disabled. Fascinating, Captain, and logical, too. <laughs> but we need some help. Actually, Dax would be the one to say that, but I don't have a Dax. Fascinating, Captain, and logical, too. Yeah, that, Wait, that might be Kira. Could be. I don't give a damn how fascinating or logical it is. There we go. Yeah. Is there, is there any other spoilery thing? I don't think so. I think we hit everything. Yeah, is the other thing a... was we, we will finally go back to Earth and not go back in time. Eventually. Uh, later this season with the awesome two-parter... Uh, by Maybe. Purgatory's Shadow. No, I don't. I don't remember what I'm. That's probably wrong. When when they when when they're scared about changelings on Earth. Yeah, that two parter's coming up. Looking forward to that. All right, as ever. Website postatomicor.com, Tumblr postatomicor.tumblr.com, email address postatomicor at gmail.com. 
And with that, we bid you adieu. Adieu, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.